Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Legal Happenings from KRWC. My name is John McCooley. I'm a volunteer host of this program, this public service program, coming to you each week at this time, providing information on where you might find court forums, or maybe you're looking for some legal resources, and that kind of information that you would like to know when you're in the middle of something and you'd like to know what the law is. And of course, we are expected to know and find the law, and so we can obey it and follow the rules. So we'll tell you a little bit about that today, how you can find the information that you might be looking for, whether it's a, a rule or whether it's a statute. I'll tell you the difference coming up in just a few minutes. But last week, District Court Judge Greg Geller, in one of his weekly commentaries here, talked about the subject of the Miranda warning. Well, today... Judge Geller has got one prepared for the costs of DWI, driving while impaired. It's extra, uh, It's very, very expensive. And of course, today we are stuck here in our homes, suffering perhaps from cabin fever. But it puts stresses on families, and it certainly does when there's uncertainty about our future, our jobs. I've been down that road in my lifetime, and I'll tell you, it's a very, very tough time. And sometimes we slip, and maybe somebody says, well, I'll just have a drink or two, and I'll drive. And, of course, that's exactly what you don't want to do, and this isn't the time, and it is it, it just is so expensive. And so I'd like to invite you to stick around and listen to Judge Geller as he tells you what it's going to cost. And at the end of the program, I'll give you the statute number, and you can actually look it up yourself as you go along. But District Court Judge Greg Geller, who is chambered in Stillwater, it will bring you up to date. So that's what this program is all about. It's providing basic public information. Everything that we give here is information. We do not give legal advice. We are not attorneys. I am a former law librarian for Wright County in Sherburne, but... The information I have is just, a, well, as a volunteer, I just like to give information to people so that they don't have to struggle. I think that's one of the toughest times. Have you ever been in that situation where uh, maybe you have some neighbor law problems or somebody says this or that and uh, you don't know whether they have a contract or not and you really need more information? So what you need to do is go to places that have that information. For example, the Attorney General's office here in the state of Minnesota is a great resource for public information. It gives you information on anything from landlord-tenant right on up through senior citizen issues and all the information between that and all the different categories. Armed with various amounts of information, you certainly are in a better position to be able to talk with somebody intelligently about what your question is. And if you need an attorney, you need legal advice. For example, if you've been served with some kind of a paper, well, you need an attorney, and the place to go would be the Minnesota State Bar Association. They're available at helpdesk at mnbar.org, and their number is 612-333-1183. The help desk at mnbar.org is the place to go for also public information and legal resources. The Bar Association has information there that can help you understand a particular issue. 
from immigration, perhaps, or again, landlord-tenant issues, maybe a labor dispute. Those kinds of things are available to you. And so if you didn't know there is available to you, you don't know where to begin. And I think that's sometimes frustrating. I remember years ago when someone came to me and they said, I was just getting into farming. And they said, well, you know, why don't we just put a fence up here right on the line and you can have your cows on this side and I'll have mine on that side and we'll get along fine. And wishing to be neighborly, I said, well, sure, why not? Well, after a while, I got the bill for half of the cost of the fence. Now, that wasn't real smart because I wouldn't have done that, I don't think, because at that time I didn't have much of, much of an income. But at any rate, line fences are shared equally. We only found that out the hard way. But knowledge is information, or information rather that can be used as knowledge to help avoid expensive things and, better yet, give you the ability to talk with your attorney or to talk with somebody that uh, you can trust and uh, get more information. That way you'll avoid some of the mistakes that many of us make and are expensive. And that, of course, includes the idea of um, driving while under the influence of any kind of a drug. So uh, today I think you'll find drug or rather District Court Judge Greg Galler, his explanation of the costs of a DWI are very, very informative, and I invite you to, to listen and learn and share this with anybody you think might need to know it. So let's take a short break, and uh, we'll be back on Legal Happenings after this important commentary. This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Galler. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. Have you ever had too much to drink and woke up with a headache? You probably thought, I wish I hadn't had that last drink. In this holiday season, with its usual gatherings, it's wise to remember that along with the parties, all too often comes tragedy. Each year, about 40,000 people are arrested for DWI, just in Minnesota. Sadly, about 40% of those will be arrested for DWI again. I have seen thousands of these cases. Many families are truly destroyed by the consequences. While the most tragic harm from impaired driving involves the lives that are ended and the bodies and families that are irreparably damaged, a DWI also carries tremendous monetary costs, even if there is no crash. What are the costs of a typical first-time DWI in Minnesota? Well, first, you might be held in jail overnight. That's not free. Many jails charge a fee of about $100 per night. Next, your car will have been towed. Expect to pay at least $200 for the tow and impound charges. Next, you will need an attorney. An attorney will be able to advise you as to your rights and also determine what defenses may be available to you. Expect to spend at least $1,000 in legal fees. This assumes your case, like most, is settled without a trial. If your case goes to trial, your legal fees will increase greatly. If you plead guilty, expect to receive a fine of about $500. Your fine will carry with it surcharges and fees totaling $87. The law also requires that you obtain an alcohol problem assessment. Unless you, your insurance covers it, that will set you back an additional $125. 
You will also likely be required to attend a Mothers Against Drunk Driving Victim Impact Panel, about $50, and some form of treatment program. Treatment costs could run into the thousands of dollars. A conviction will also put you on probation for two years. The probation fee is typically about $200. The state of Minnesota will also revoke your driver's license. To get it back, you must pay a reinstatement fee of about $700. Finally, your insurance rates will increase. Rates could triple because you will now be considered to be a high-risk driver. If you were paying $1,500 per year for insurance, you will begin paying $4,500 per year. This will last for at least three years. That is an extra $9,000 in insurance costs. The total is now about $15,000 of direct out-of-pocket costs. Add to this the intangible costs of missed work, being unable to drive, social stigma, and embarrassment. Remember that headache from drinking too much? It just got a whole lot worse. The best advice is not to drive after drinking. Remember, no one ever woke up wishing he had consumed one more drink the night before. Save yourself the headache and the expenses. More importantly, help prevent needless tragedy on our roads. Please have a happy, safe, and sober holiday season. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County. Thank you, District Court Judge Gregory Galler, for today's legal commentary. If you'd like to know more information about that, you certainly can let us know here at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's my website, and I'd be glad to share information with you that I have that might be of help to uh, help you find more information on it. But if you would like to know the statutes that deal with DWI, the number is 169 and 169A will get you going and tell you everything that the judge kind of talked about, although it's written in such a way that it might be a little confusing for you, but you'll get the idea if you read it. It is basically uh, in plain language and, of course, very public, so people know what they can do and what they can't. So we thank the judge for doing that today. And he's been very instrumental along with District Court Judge Stephen Halsey, who in 2012 started this program with his commentaries. And he certainly has been a very much of an asset to providing public information from his chambers that help us understand the law so that we don't get ourselves in trouble. I know that uh, it's, it's easy to do by doing something we shouldn't do or by not doing something we should have done. That basically is, is it in a nutshell. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you'll stick around, District Court Judge Halsey will be talking about the subject of presumed innocence in just a few minutes here on Legal Happenings, a public service of KRWC. We thank Joe Carlson of the station each week for allowing us this opportunity to share information, public information, and knowledge is power when you really need it. So I hope that you will learn something, and if you do, share it with somebody else. Well, did you know that you can find out more about COVID right here in Wright County in a couple of ways? But first of all, just to realize that there is a site available. It's at the Wright County COVID-19 dashboard. On that site, you'll find information 
that will indicate how many people are affected by um, the coronavirus right in your zip code. They have a great chart, a series, it's a pie chart it's called, but it breaks down the age groups of people who have been um, uh, found uh, having this particular bad thing, COVID-19. But it's nice to know that there are uh, places to go and learn more, ne more information about it. We have had now how many cases in Wright County? I think 5,819 as of March the 14th put out by the Wright County official website and the health department of Wright County. So that's how many people have been affected at one time or another and uh, proven to be positive with that kind of thing. So check out the uh, area code, or rather zip code, in your area and you'll find out the number of cases that have been uh, reported so far. And uh, in addition to that, you can find out a lot more information. You'll find out about how you get tested and what to do with your when you're sick and much more information. Do check it out. It's the Wright County COVID-19 dashboard for an update on the coronavirus here closer to home. Well, District Court Judge Halsey, as I mentioned, will be coming up with presumed innocence in just a few moments, but I wanted to pass along some information. Maybe you're a student. Perhaps you just want to learn about a particular subject. Uh, any number of reasons why people sometimes uh, will go and search the library for different things. When I was a law librarian, I couldn't believe the number of people that came in that did really some uh, average everyday citizens really looking into uh, various statues. They were building a house and um, they were buying a house. They, were, they really wanted to know all the details. And it is there are books that help guide you along that way. And then there are many departments and agencies in Minnesota, as there are in many states. So you might wish to look it over sometime when you want to oh, find out more about the electricity board or maybe the veterans uh, area or something of that nature. You need only go to the Minnesota Office of Reviser of Statutes. There's all the Minnesota statutes for 2020, chapter 1 right through chapter 648. And they cover anything from judicial civil divisions to constructions of statutes. Some of that might get a little complicated for you, but depending on what you are looking for and depending on your level of knowledge as you enter into it, you'll find information on public safety, sports, rural development, local government, police powers, labor and industry, human rights, veterans, of course, and even law libraries. Did you know that? We're covered by uh, law library boards, but they follow our state outlines through the Judicial Department. And it's uh, that one is 134A. If you ever want to know what, how a law library is governed, Look up 134A, and it'll tell you all about it. So that information is available for you for writing a paper, for learning more about information, learning about administrative uh, rules, for example. Rules uh, are different than statutes in that they are coming from the uh, agencies that guide, uh, guide us in areas, just as I said, in electricity or dentistry or farming, agriculture, etc. So you can find it, again, really uh, quite simple by simply going to the Minnesota Office 
of Reviser of Statutes. And it's public information. Check it out. You can even buy a copy of the uh, rules. You have to call and check it out to see if uh, what's available to you. They are published every odd year and every uh, even year. Then they put a supplement in the rules publication. Anyway, for more information, call five. Excuse me, six five one two nine six two eight six eight for more information on the various agencies and the rules here in Minnesota. Well, it's time to take a break and listen to District Court Judge Stephen Halsey talk about the subject of presumed innocence. Hello and welcome to Legal Happenings here on KRWC AM 1360. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the presumption of innocence. Among the fundamental rights that we all have as U.S. citizens is the presumption of innocence. Whether a citizen gets a speeding ticket, is charged with DWI, or is indicted for murder, the presumption of innocence remains throughout the entire court process, including any appeals if the citizen is convicted by a judge or jury. Unlike the right to counsel or reasonable bail, the presumption of innocence is not in the U.S. or Minnesota constitutions. It is a part of the common law which American jur jurisprudence has followed from the British tradition. Often quoted is British jurist and law commentator Sir William Blackstone, who put it this way in 1765, quotes, It is better that ten guilty persons escape than that one innocent person suffer. Close quotes. The U.S. Supreme Court in 1895 traced the roots of the presumption of innocence to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament and to Roman law. It is unquestioned that this presumption in favor of the defendant has been a principle of Western common law for hundreds of years. Given the media attention that often surrounds serious crimes, it is not surprising that the presumption of innocence may be questioned. However, about 200 convicted felons have been released after serving many years in prison as a result of DNA testing that exonerated them. The Innocence Project reported that the Texas governor on March 9, 2007, pardoned a man convicted of rape over 23 years before that who was exonerated based on DNA evidence. He was the 197th felon in 32 states exonerated through DNA testing. In Minnesota in 2001, a man convicted of rape in, 18, in 1985 was exonerated by DNA testing after the Ramsey County Attorney's Office began a systematic review of pre-1995 convictions to determine if DNA testing would have affected the outcome. The Innocence Project has stated the following, Those exonerated by DNA testing aren't the only people who have been wrongfully convicted in recent decades. For every case that involves DNA, there are thousands that do not. Only a fraction of criminal cases involve biological evidence that can be subjected to DNA testing, and even, such and even when such evidence exists, it is often lost or destroyed after conviction. Since they don't have access to a definite, definitive test like DNA, many wrongfully convicted people have a slim chance of ever proving their innocence. And that closes close the quote on, uh, from the Innocence Project. So why the presumption of innocence? 
Consider if you were charged with a serious crime that occurred in a place and at a time that you could not have possibly been present. If your only alibi is that you were home by yourself with no one to vouch for your presence there, how could you possibly prove your innocence if you had to? You would have great difficulty proving that you were not at the crime scene and did not commit the crime. So, what's the, the question is, what does a defendant have to prove in a criminal case? And the answer is nothing. The prosecution has the burden of proving a criminal defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. The prosecution cannot argue that the jury must decide which story to believe because the defendant does not have to convince the jury of any story. The defendant has a constitutional right to remain silent, cannot be compelled to testify, and the prosecutor cannot comment to the jury about the defendant's failure to testify. Prosecutors are prohibited from attacking the presumption of innocence. Prosecutors, for example, cannot argue to the jury that the presumption of innocence is only for the truly innocent and is not a shield for the guilty. All of these rules are necessary to ensure that a person's presumption is fully prote protected. The presumption of innocence is one of the fundamental rights which we all enjoy as members of a democratic society governed by law. It is a, it is a fundamental right that you have and which must be protected. That concludes my comments. Uh, this is Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court. If you have any questions or comments about my comments, you can send me an email at stephen.halsey at courts.state.mn.us. Thank you for listening to Legal Happenings. Thank you, Judge Halsey. This is uh, Legal Happenings from KRWC this Sunday morning. Welcome aboard, and if you've not listened to us before, I do hope that you've learned something and are learning something and perhaps sharing information with other people. That's what I like to do, and I read a lot, and I uh, miss not working in the uh, legal profession anymore other than providing basic information as a public service. Nobody gets paid. We're all doing this in the hope that we can maybe make somebody's life a little bit easier based on all the years of training and work that we did. Joe Carlson running the station knows how to serve the community in ways I had never imagined. And when he can get somebody to volunteer with whatever information they have that is of value, and there's no question that some of this is very valuable, just listening to these commentaries by the courts I mean, wow, you, here you're going to radio law school. So we thank the judges for that as well. If you have a comment or question, I do urge you to write me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. Lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's me, John McCooley, somewhat retired old law librarian that used to do a lot with books and uh, sure meet met a lot of you folks years of, years and years ago, from 1995 to 2012. I was right here in Wright County, I'm sure, uh, that uh, I have met some of you already. And again, we were here to help. So if you have a question, please do write us and see what we can't uh, come up with. Maybe you have an idea for a subject that the courts might want to address, and we'll see to it that it gets to the proper place. Well, of course, 
We are in a lockdown situation in a lot of ways. We have to uh, break this coronavirus. And how do we do that when we're stuck at home? Well, we certainly have to find ways of doing maybe more with our kids. I'm working on uh, some models with our granddaughter, and I know that uh, parents are struggling now to uh, keep the kids active enough, and yet there's schoolwork to be done, and it's really tough on everybody. I just want to remind everybody to not beat up on each other and uh, be understanding how how we must survive this thing, and I know that stresses can come, especially with the unemployment perhaps coming, unemployment running out, that kind of thing. That's all very scary, but I want you to know I'm one of the people that have gone through that, lots worse than that even. And at almost 80 years old, I'm just about old enough to begin to realize that there are ways that we do cope with our our problems. And that, as Judge Galler said, we certainly don't want to do it with the DWI. So I hope that uh, that is a... Uh, a little hope for you today. You're not in this alone. We're all in this together. So I guess it's time for me to wrap this up. Joe's got some more programming coming up. We invite you to listen to. But if, again, you have a question, please feel free to write me. And I do hope you'll join us again here on Legal Happenings from KRWC each Sunday at 1030. This is John McCauley just saying God bless you and stay well.